You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1359 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening, December 1st. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Check it out right now. Bet Online has all the latest odds, lines, and props you're looking for. Bet Online is where the game starts. And today's show will be myself and Tower Jones, part one of two that you're, you're about to watch or listen to. Part two should be arriving shortly as you're listening to this podcast or already in your feeds at this point, no matter where you get your podcasts. And also, I want to encourage you to make the podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as on YouTube on the video side. And before I get to Tyler, a lot of news to touch on from Wednesday into Thursday. If you missed it, I was actually at the game down in Orlando, uh, Hawks Magic on Wednesday, and uh, covered that win in depth, as well as the injury stuff that happened to John Collins and DeAndre Hunter. That was the number one topic of the day. On Thursday, in between uh, the two games, because the Hawks play again on Friday at home, the Hawks had an off day actually, so no practice. But there were there were MRIs done for both John Collins and DeAndre Hunter, both of whom left the game in the first half. And if you want full coverage of that game, that podcast is still available for you right now. But finally, after a Shams Sharani report kind of broke the seal a little bit, the Hawks announced on Thursday evening some updates for Collins and Hunter. First on Collins, uh, he actually, after MRI, was confirmed to have a left ankle sprain with an associated joint swelling. That's what the Hawks said there. And at this point, the Hawks are saying that he will be out, quote, at least the next two weeks, end quote. Now, from there, his return to play will be updated as appropriate. And I always say this, uh, at least two weeks could, could mean two weeks, could also mean more than two weeks. So you cannot just pencil him in for two weeks. Also, it usually takes some time to kind of get up to speed again when it's an issue like this, like in your in your legs. Not going to have your same, um, be able to have the same wind and all that stuff as well. So I would always say uh, do not assume he's back in two weeks at this point in time. We'll have more on that in a second. Um, as for Hunter, he had an MRI as well, and it was confirming a right hip flexor strain, and he'll be out, quote, at least one week, end quote, and then we'll be back after that. Um, as for the kind of schedule, how it breaks down for the Hawks, uh, you know, we're all guessing a little bit. I will say the schedule is a little bit lighter for the Hawks in the next two weeks than it has been in the previous two weeks. Uh, before the Orlando game, obviously, the only game that had really been kind of easy on paper was that Houston game they lost. But they have Denver, which is a tough one on Friday for sure. But then OKC on Monday. Then they have a road trip to New York against the Knicks and the Nets. Those are winnable games. They have to play the Bulls at home. They have also games later on, about two weeks from now. Um, they, have, they have Orlando two more times and Charlotte. They have a stretch over a six-day period when they play Orlando, Charlotte, Orlando. And then they have Chicago, Detroit, Indiana. So that's a pretty easy stretch at the end of December that uh, could make this a little bit more palatable for the Hawks. But still, it goes without saying at this point, but definitely huge losses for both Collins and Hunter. We talked about this a little bit with Tyler. I won't, I won't belabor the point at this point, but uh, Collins on defense has been um, his best of his career so far. And then Hunter, I think, has also been playing pretty well defensively as well. The one game that Hunter missed this year, the defense was notably worse in his absence. Now, he's not, a, he's not like a elite defender, but what they have behind him, 
is uh, not necessarily the same quality in terms of like physicality and also just acumen defensively. So it's big. You know, the second half of the game on Wednesday, the Hawks were without their top four power forward options. Um, these are their two starting forwards. And if you lose with those, those guys for at least a week at the same time, that kind of magnifies it because you're down two guys and you have to alter rotations and all that stuff. So some challenges up ahead for Nate McMillan and the staff. Before we get to Tyler, a look here at the Nuggets game on Friday. And they come to town a little bit banged up as well. Michael Porter Jr. will be out for the game for the Nuggets on Friday in Atlanta. He has a heel injury. They're probably not going to have Jeff Green either. He's actually listed as doubtful as well. Jamal Murray is probable to play for Denver, so I assume he will play. But Porter Jr. is a notable loss for the Nuggets. On the Hawks side, uh, beyond Collins and Hunter, who are both out, obviously, Justin Holiday is still in the protocols at this point, so he'll be out as well. Notably, on the positive side, Bogdanovich has been up- upgraded to questionable. He was notably listed as doubtful on Wednesday. That was a change from the previous every game this season until uh, until Wednesday night. Um, questionable means questionable. He could play on Friday or they could hold him out until Monday, but he is definitely getting closer by all indications. Jalen Johnson, also questionable. He was listed as doubtful in the previous game after missing uh, the game before that. So he's been out for a little while. And with Collins out, obviously Jalen Johnson will be of great intrigue in this one. And then Clint Capella, unfortunately, if you're a Hawks fan, was added to the injury report as questionable with left foot soreness. I don't have any way of gauging how how difficult that is uh, at this point in time, but if he can't play, that'd be definitely troublesome. He's been awesome this year. And then Fred Kaminsky is actually questionable as well with a right foot sprain. So lots of front court injuries. In fact, the only front court guy on the entire roster that's a four or five that's not on the injury report is a Kongwu. So uh, yeah, pretty tough slay in there for the Hawks in that way. I'll touch on a little bit of the rotation um, expectations in a second with regard to what they're going to do without Collins and without Hunter. But first, the Nuggets um, are traveling back from Denver. So not a huge rest advantage for the Hawks. Both teams played on Wednesday but the Nuggets have to go a lot further back from Denver other than back from Orlando like the Hawks did, plus home court, of course, for the Hawks on Friday. Denver is not necessarily quite as good on offense without Michael Porter Jr., who is a really dynamic shooter, but the Nuggets have been awesome on offense this year in general. They're in the top three of the NBA offensive rating at this moment and in the top five in true shooting percentage. So basically, they've been awesome from a shooting and scoring standpoint this year. Uh, basically, Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, is the biggest reason for all of that. He makes everything go for Denver. It's not a huge secret. If Capella can't play, that'd be really, really troublesome because Jokic makes life hard on everyone, but especially on a Kongwu who's a lot smaller than he is. Um, a crazy stat from Denver. The Nuggets this year, with Jokic on the floor, have a plus 14.1 net rating. So basically, that's absolutely fantastic, like 65-70 win kind of stuff with Jokic on the floor. With him, with him off the floor, they have a negative 12.7 net rating. So basically, they go from the best team of all time, which is a plus 14 net rating to one of the worst of all time without him. Now that cannot possibly sustain, but maybe it can. It's been like a three-year trend. Uh, so basically if the Hawks do not win the non-Jokic minutes, that would be uh, troublesome on this night. Now defensively, they're not very good. That's a, that's a positive for the Hawks. Of course, they've been struggling a little bit on offense recently. They're probably better defensively without Porter. That's notable because he's a pretty bad defender, but they are good as a rebounding team on the glass on defense, as well as preventing free throws, but their shooting resistance is not very good. The perimeter stuff is uh, definitely a little bit shaky. Murray is not a great defender necessarily. They lost some defensive acumen on the perimeter. They do have Aaron Gordon, who's a pretty good defender at the four spot. Um, but yeah, this is a winnable game for Atlanta. Bet online right now, it makes the game about a coin flip. The Hawks are maybe a one point underdog at this stage. You come back and forth the last couple of hours, but the Hawks are uh, definitely going to be in a challenging spot without both Collins and Hunter in that game. Um, as for 
questions that I was getting before we turn it over to Tyler about what the Hawks might do rotationally, it's going to depend a lot on who plays and who doesn't. So we're obviously going to cross off Hunter and Collins at this point. They're definitely out for at least a week each. Holiday also crossed off, and Justin Holiday before he had one of the protocols, was the backup power forward. So that's notable as well with Joe with and Johnson out. So uh, Kongwu at center, very obviously, and we'll assume for this exercise that, they got, that they're going to have Capella. If they had Capella and Kongwu, that's all the center minutes. At power forward, you basically have Jalen Johnson, maybe. He's listed as questionable. Uh, if he's not available, you have Jarrett Culver, who played there a lot. He's more of a three than a four, but he can't play, you can't play the four defensively. You have, um, you know, basically that's kind of it in terms of like actual power forward sized individuals. Um, they played Vic Krejci a little bit there. Um, AJ Griffin is definitely stocky, but like you're comparing three and four. You can throw AJ in there, throw Krejci in there. Um, Trent Forrest played a little bit of three um, last night. Um, they might have Bogdanovich, who can, I think, defensively could be a little bit more physical and play a little bit more 3-4 if you need him to. But the lack of size is very stark there if Jalen Johnson in particular cannot go. I don't know who, who, who they're going to start. I assume it'll be it will be A.J. Griffin at the three, but that's not exactly a definite. They started a bit crazy in the second half on Wednesday. Um, I think it'll be AJ if I had to guess, but we'll see how they how they approach that. Bogey, if he plays, I am sure, at least pretty sure that he'll be limited on some level. He probably won't play a ton of minutes in his first game back. So they have options, but basically the backcourt rotation won't change a lot. I expect it'll be a lot of Trey and a lot of DeJounte with Trent Forrest sprinkled in. But at the three, you have, you know, again, Griffin as the primary guy. You have guys like, you know, Krejci, you have Culver, you have maybe Bogey, some at the three if he's available, and then same thing at the four. So they're uh, shorthanded, to say the least. And Denver has not huge size at the three and four, but Aaron Gordon is a big physical athletic player, and you can't just put a small on him because he will definitely mash that. So there's some questions there. Uh, the loss of Hunter and Collins will be felt for a while beyond tomorrow. But um, honestly, this is probably the most difficult matchup that they have for the next couple of weeks. They do have one road game in Memphis on December 12th. It's probably a little bit, a little bit harder because it's on the road, but um, yeah, Denver is a good test point, especially uh, with Jokic making life difficult on everybody on the opposition um, opposition team. So we'll have full coverage of that game afterwards on Friday evening. I'll be in the building for that one and that would be interesting, but uh, yeah, not the worst news generally speaking on Collins and Hunter. Yes, this is a uh, multi-game absences for both guys, but neither one was like ruled out for months or in you know, surgery, all that stuff. These are injuries that are real and definitely more than nagging, but they do have uh, timelines that are at least kind of roughly projected. And with Bogey coming back, that definitely helps a little bit if he's able to go on Friday or at least on Monday after the Hawks have the weekend off. All right, before we get to Tyler and a extensive conversation across two point, uh, across two parts, again, this is just part one of two. So if, if, when you're done with this one, part two is should be still available in your feeds. Before we get to all of that, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and December is here now. The NBA season is in full swing with plenty of football, hockey, and other action going on as well. Bet Online is the number one source for all the wagering information you're looking for, as well as stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at Bet Online. That includes the latest in football, basketball, of course. They have soccer and esports and golf and tennis and auto racing, horse racing, World Cup stuff. It's definitely full swing right now, as well, taking over the entire world, basically, when it comes to sports. And Bet Online is also very useful, engaging the latest on the Hawks. They have the latest odds and lines they're looking for. Uh, you know, 
spreads, totals, money lines, also future stuff on the team side or with individual awards. A bet online is also the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find that at bet online as well. Check out bet online right now on your mobile device or your computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet online where the game starts. I am joined once again by my friend, frequent podcast contributor, general man about town, Tower Jones is back. It's the start of, no- of, De- of December. I almost said November of December, Tyler. Uh, a lot has changed. Nothing has changed. However you want to feel about all things. But uh, here we are on December 1st. How are we feeling? Um, well, first I want to start, you know, have you seen Good Morning America recently? Have I seen Good Morning America recently? I don't think I have. Oh really? You, you so? But do you know anything about Good Morning America? I have, I have no idea where we're going right now. I'm, so this is going to be good. You completely off left field. Wow. Okay. I got so, nothing. Um, no, nah, I mean just the the host of Good Morning America having a, a great time together. Uh, so, okay. Interesting. So if you don't if you don't know about that, you should. It, it's it's just a fun little. Uh, it's just a fun little thing that's going on. Outside. I never, know, I never know where we're going at the, at the beginning of the podcast. I, I was prepared for the Braves or the Falcons or whatever, and then we're going to Good Morning America, and I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. Good for that. Morning America, yeah, it's. Uh, I I learned about it. You know, I'm I'm still sort of on Twitter. I learned, of course, I, I get all, I still get all my news through Twitter, but uh, no, the the hosts are just, you know, they they got together, so okay, and they are married, so we have that sort of situation going on. Uh, with them and they literally just came to work today like nothing's wrong so that is incredible um that's just a nice little spice um oh lord outside of that you know team usa is doing their thing um see i i uh this is my one time every four years when i when i consume uh soccer so i'm enjoying that i watched the vast majority of uh the england match i watched none of the iran match because i was at work and couldn't watch it but i was following i was enjoying it yeah uh i'm in pulisic put it all on the line so i got uh, the sense that you that i got the sense that you're not you're not the biggest fan of his on uh, on, on twitter uh, you know he's okay i <laughs> it's, you know but it's just one of those things where it's like He's not my favorite. T- you, you know how people feel about Dansby Swanson on Braves Twitter. It's how Dude. I feel about Christian Pulisic. Okay, I got that. So, um, leave it there. Yeah, we can leave it there. It's fine. Um, obviously, speaking of which, sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, I did actually see Dansby uh, at at a polling place uh, <laughs> for early voting. Uh, so that was that that's was your, funny. That, that's your guy. Come, 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 I didn't get I, I didn't get a chance to say uh, hi, but because um we're like you know I'm in line, he's like on the other side, like way yeah. way over there, and I'm like, well, there's Dansby. Uh, yeah, so he he was there, so that was cool. But uh, we can start we can start with the He's participating I, in the process. I, I, don't, I don't I really don't want to talk about this whole thing. Um, yeah, so I have, I have some, I have some news and, uh, we might even get more. In fact, I'm pretty confident even while we're talking, we'll probably get some more information. Uh, you and I are recording this at about seven 30 Eastern on December 1st. Um, we just got the initial report from Sean Serrani about John Collins. We'll come back to that as well. 
and I will probably have a prologue to this episode where I give you the latest. People may have already heard all the injury stuff, but that's what we know right now. We know that Collins is going to be out for at least two weeks, and then that just so everybody knows what, what Tyler knows when I know. Um, we're going to hold off on the injury stuff to later in the podcast. I want to know how your vibes are right now beyond the fact that they lost their starting forwards uh, during the game that I was at in, in Orlando on Wednesday. Uh, the Hawks are 12 and 10, and that's okay on paper. And I've said this a few times. It feels like the vibes around the team, not necessarily with, with the team itself, but like with the fans in, in particular and like how they have not played well. They just, they just lost three games in a row. Uh, it wasn't going very well. It feels worse than 12 and 10, but uh, I, I know that I know how, I know how you feel during some of these games when you're, when you're blacking out and you're furious, but uh, now with a with a, with a with a full day between games in this calm setting, how are we feeling about the Hawks right now? Well, it's about the same I felt about the Hawks uh, last season, which is not great, but probably, but you know, understandable, you know, why they're in the place they're in. But like overall, I kind of feel like this is the same team. They just. Uh, they swapped offense for defense, but like they didn't, you know, the DeJounte Murray trade was supposed to be the trade that, that elevates them. And instead it's kind of put them exactly where they've been um, for a year and a half now or a year and 20 plus games now. So not thrilled, um, but they've had stretches where they've played some good basketball. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks, how, how they, Teams that don't that had that you know rely solely on getting to the rim and finishing at the rim and finishing through contact, like the Hawks have been elite at Hawks have been noticeably great at just shutting uh like some of the best you know finishers in the NBA down, like or just really making them inefficient basketball players. Like they've done a great job on Giannis. I don't know if any teams defended uh Zion better than what the Hawks did. Uh, when he came, uh, when they played each other earlier this season, like those have been impressive. And overall, like it's hard not to be impressed with the interior defense of what Capella, Collins, and Okongwu over the course of 22 games, what they've brought to the team. So that's exciting. The rest, I like I DM'd you the other day, Brad. This, these these pull up long twos are giving Dwight Howard post ups. Like it, it's like I, I get this. I get the same feeling pit in my stomach when I watch the primary action for DeJounte Murray when he's coming off these pick and rolls is to settle for these mid-rangers. And I'm like, this cannot be the offense. Like, it just... Well, and it's also... I'm sure we'll get into all this stuff, but, like, it's also... It's not just that they're taking mid rangers. I, I know, I know that you feel the same way I do. It's not just that. It's the it's the way that they get to them because Murray's always going to take mid. Like he takes a lot of mid rangers. He's kind of always done that, mm-hmm. and he's good at it. But it's like they're hunting them is kind of maybe the bigger concern, and like also just the process of all of it. Like especially down the stretch, you know, we talked about we talked about fourth quarter net ratings and all this stuff, and they've kind of just gone to this very stagnant approach at times on offense and. Um, you know, that that will get you frustrated in a hurry, especially because uh, of what they're capable of when they have it going. Because we've seen you know, first halves, even the games they were losing in the last week or so, they were moving the ball in the first half. And it was like, all right, why is why is the offense different now than it is uh, in the fourth quarter, basically? Well, it could be a couple of things. I, I 
theorize that, you know, maybe uh, playing DeJounte Murray and Trey Young 38 plus minutes every night isn't a good thing. And maybe they uh, should be playing less or the rotation should be different because this this fourth quarter thing, I mean, even against the even against the magic, it was the same where they just like you can very feel like the energy is out of the ball. Like it's a lot of walking the ball up the floor, pounding the pounding the shot clock, making sure making sure time goes off, which is fine if you execute. But they aren't executing. So it's like you're not giving yourself enough time in the shot clock to do the ball movement thing. So you're relying on brilliant one-on-one play. And when Trey Young and DeJounte Murray don't execute or don't make their shots or, you know, turn the ball over at the, you know, you know, weird turnover spells where they, you know, even though the Hawks, I think still statistically are top of the league, at turnover rate, like they, they just have weird times where they would just give the ball away. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just not fun to watch. I, Really think, I really wish Trey and Dejounte would work more off the ball, and do just do more in general uh, when they are operating as the primary creators. Like it's just too much one pass. If they make one pass, they're not moving off their spot and they're not relocating, and it's really like it's really killing what the other guys on the floor can do. And like we're not getting that added value. Like, to me, I feel like we got DeJounte Murray and he might as well, like, it's as if we didn't get, you know, a borderline all-star caliber basketball player. You know, it's like, from what we lost from Kevin Herter, the three-point shooter from Kevin Herter, and like Murray defensively, like Murray defensively has been okay, but he's had stretches where he hasn't been good either. Um, but over, like to me, it's just it's just weird. Like it's just like, and I and I feel like this anxiety a lot of Hawks fans are getting is just this team's not better. Like I think that's the fun. I think that's my fundamental thing. Like this team just isn't better than what they were when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, or even last year. Like like when they had their run when they went like thirty three and twelve or something like that. Like they're not there. Maybe they get there, but it's like it's the same team where they struggle against good competition or teams that know how to defend the Hawks primary pick and roll action. And they kind of just don't have a plan B don't have a plan C. Like it's just, it's very disappointing to watch them on offense is my biggest takeaway. Yeah. And you know, beyond the broad strokes, cause like, look, the, the simple way that I've put it before is there is no way a team – this is, again, this is overly simple. I want to be clear about that. There's no way a team that was as good as they were last year on offense or as good as they even were two years ago on offense. And it has it has had Trey Young. Not, you know, who's not playing fantastically individually this year. He was, he was actually quite good last night, I thought, in, in Orlando. But um, they should not be a below-average offense with Trey Young healthy for this long of a sample. I know it's not a huge sample size, but it's a quarter of the season. And they've been a below average offense. Now they've been better than that with Trey on the court, but they were elite with Trey on the court previously. And the same issues, kind of similarly anyway, they've been bad with Trey off the court. Again, 
that's one of those things that's like supposed to be fixed by the, by the Murray thing. And again, it's a, it's a small sample size, but like that's part of it. And look, this is also an arbitrary endpoint, but I'm going to throw this to you. Fourth quarter offensive rating this season. The Hawks are 28th in the league. They're scoring less than 104 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter. Now there's some garbage time in there. I'm sure that's, that's the raw stats. But like it also matches the eye test, and that's when the worst impulses have come out. To your point before, like that's when they really get into the your turn, my turn, clear out, and that's the whole offense plan. The worst, the worst example of that was was of course the Houston game when they got into the the the, the tit for tat with the Rockets guys, and it was like now it's individual one on one game, and they were terrible defensively in that game, but offensively the fourth quarter was as bad as it gets. I implore people to watch that that fourth quarter on offense. It, just nothing happened. They played one on one and two on two. For the entire half, uh, especially was, the entire right, that game was so bad. I was like, they need to pull a Yenka off the floor because he's literally not doing anything. And it was like, it wasn't <laughs> even, like they literally, I don't, I don't, did he touch the basketball that game? Like, well, no, I, I mean, nobody, nobody did to be fair, but, but yeah, Kong had a couple of weird games cool. in there. We can talk about him later too if you want, but no, I, it is. And, no, but Brad, I, I want to talk about the Yenka point now, but it's like he's had some weird games, yeah, but like. What's his role? Like, what's his offensive role on this team? Well, what's, no, what's we Ron Collins' offensive role. I was, on get, I, I was about to say Johnson's. We what's, we've done the we've done the Collins thing man? so many times. You and I have done the Collins thing so many times. But it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly the same because like, Anyeka is like supposed to be the primary role man. At least with Collins, they have the excuse of like he's playing the four next to Capella or next to Akongwu, and it's like all right, and he can shoot and. Not this year so far, but he usually can shoot. Akongwu, it's like if he's not running pick and roll and like operating as the role man and like being involved, like what he doesn't have the same other elite skills that Capella does, and that's part of the reason why he's not playing as well this year. I think overall is that like he's not involved, and you know him and Trey never have had the best connection necessarily in pick and roll, but they kind of try to pair him with Dejounte, and they don't really use each other either because Dejounte, to your point earlier, like. His his primary on offense is pocket passes, which are better to a Kongu than Capella, but it's not like Onyeka's best thing. And then those pull up mid rangers. And I don't know. It was always going to take some time. And I've tried to show that to, even even to myself. I've tried to like be consistent about that, talking about this. Like they were never going to be fully formed on offense so far in October and November. But like all of the worst instincts of what I thought it might be has kind of been what it was so far, so far. And early on in the season, DeJounte had it going, like it was playing really well and it didn't really show up as much, but as soon as he had kind of a slump, you know, that's when it starts to show up more because they don't do anything off the ball. It's not, we focus on this a lot. Like it was always like, all right, Trey has to play off the ball now, but like Trey hasn't really done that. Number one. And number two, DeJounte's not doing anything off the ball either. He's kind of doing the floating because I think he, he got used to playing on the ball in San Antonio and it's now that's where he's where his brain is and I don't want to oversimplify it but like when you have two guys like they're definitely playing the worst version of the D'Antoni Rockets Harden Paul offense where like it literally is just the two of them trading off and that's that's what you don't want to happen Brad there was a possession uh against the Magic uh, I think it was in the second half where AJ Griffin's coming down is like AJ like DeJounte Murray's coming down the floor. They call the play for AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin comes off a screen. Uh, and then he gets middle and like he gets he gets actual dribble penetration to the point that he causes somebody to help. 
unfortunately, the help comes directly behind him because DeJounte Murray, after he passes the ball, like DeJounte Murray passed the ball 35 feet at the top of the key and didn't move the entire possession. And so, like, AJ, like, gets a – like, he, he does his job, but because DeJounte doesn't move from his spot, he has to pivot and just throw it back to him, and the Hawks have to reset the possession. And it's too much of that. It's too much of guys – not finishing offensive possessions like like they they just when they when they call a play for not them they're just not moving and it's clearly a problem that's why I'm like does Nate McMillan not want to coach these guys and be like hey we have to move like we don't have the shooting to just be standing around playing one-on-one basketball like they, they, Brad, this team doesn't have the shooting for this, but they keep playing this way. They're going to keep getting the same results. So, like, to me, I'm like, I'm not very hopeful about this offense. Maybe Bogey will change something, but like, until those two like decide they want to play, you know, relatively normal NBA basketball, if they're going to play this way, then they just got to be better offensively, like, flat out with the possessions that they get, or they just, or this offense that should be at the bare minimum top 10 like if they're not top 10 they're not doing anything like they they, there's no way their defense even with the improved defense yeah defense is not this defense is not good enough because the perimeter defense just isn't good enough as i say it can't be it can't be and that's the thing like they've they've kind of papered papered over it a little bit because defense has been good to start the season there's a little bit of noise in the defense a little bit not not a ton but like with some opponent shooting luck and like i think we we definitely agree broadly speaking this personnel they still have to be really good on offense for them for them to actually be good. Like yep. right now, they're not capital G good as a team because of the offense. The defense is doing its job so far. Like they're not elite defensively, but they can't be elite with this personnel. It's not almost not possible. When you have Trey out there, number one, and then you have other guys that are like pretty clear weaknesses, like you know, DeJounte is okay, but he's more of a playmaker. Um, you know, Gr- Griffin's a rookie, he's he's not he's not bad for a rookie but he's still a rookie. He's a negative defensively. Um, Jalen is pros and cons defensively. Like they don't have the best personnel on defense. This team was built to be this year, a little bit less of this, but still offense first top tier offense. And like just good enough defensively, like be average on defense. And they, they got the average on defense part down, but they, but they've gone the other direction on offense. And like, I don't think it's necessarily going to, change that much like they're better than this on offense I, i'm pretty confident in that like they shouldn't be this bad i don't think but you know and i guess i'll, I'll do the devil's advocate case for you because i i wanted to make sure i said this out loud they actually the numbers with trey and Dejounte playing together are pretty good they are now it gets worse as the game goes along which is funny like literally quarter by quarter it gets worse the fourth quarter has been their worst quarter together but overall their minutes together, two-man lineups have been good. The biggest issue of all, and we can go down this rabbit hole if you want, has been the Murray bench units. Those units do not work. Now, part of that's DeJounte's not playing that well recently, but the other part of it is like, look at what the lineups have been with those units. Like, they don't, like, just put your brain into it. It's like, Murray. I, I, I had this moment, like, every, like, like, once a game where I'm like, this lineup just doesn't work. Like, it's not going to work. Um, whether it's, and it's obviously, it's very based on who's available. So like last night was the extreme example. I'm going to throw that away because so many guys were out. 
Jalen was out. Even Jalen and Justin were out. Like they, they were down everybody. But like you look up and they're playing Murray and Aaron Holiday or Murray and Trent Forrest. And you got yeah, you, you got AJ. That's helpful. But it's AJ and Jalen and Onyeka. And like it's not the worst person I've ever seen. But the theory of the case on offense in particular just doesn't work. Like you only have one shooter and it's AJ. At least with Trey on the court, Trey and AJ, like you have, at least you have two shooters. With these Murray minutes, they have one shooter on the court and that's if AJ's even out there. If AJ's been playing with the starters, maybe maybe he's on the bench. But like, and it's not just that simple, but that's, if you look at the numbers and lineup data, I I don't want to bang the table on it all the time, but like the lineups that get them killed are when Trey's off the court. And that's not a new problem, but it's also a different problem this time around because they have the initiator with DeJounte. It's everything else. They don't, they don't have the shooting. Like in past years, they, shouldn't, they didn't have the initiator. Now they have the initiator and the supporting guys, Sands, AJ, just don't make sense. Like they just don't make sense with him at all. I wonder where that bench shooting went, bro. <laughs> well, let's just say we were on this early. I know I get accused of being like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. You'll appreciate this actually. This year, I've been getting yelled at for being too positive, which I just find hilarious. Like, let's be serious. You? Oh, no. oh, oh, Twitter's gotten funny. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though? But, and it's yeah. because I'm not trying to fire Nate every night, and I'm not saying that they're the worst team in the league. And, and I, I get it. But, like, all summer long, it was the opposite. When it was like, why are you hitting on the team? We have plenty of shooting. Uh, we got we got DeJounte Murray, so obviously we're better on offense. All these things. And it's like, guys, I'm, I'm not just saying stuff to say it. I'm – it's the theory of the lineups and yeah, you can certainly make an argument that maybe I'm too high on player X or too low on player X, but like they just don't have enough shooting and that's, thank God they're playing AJ. Can you imagine if Nate was just not playing AJ like, like he was early in the season? Like, can you imagine how, how dire it would be? Cause somebody like def- somebody definitely made a call about that one. I thought so too. At, at, at the moment, not necessarily like, but like it went from AJ yeah, not was now. like, not now, but now like, they have to play him clearly, but then, back in the earlier yeah. days, well, and they, you know, we, you and I have joked about the experimentation thing um, a, a couple times, but now they've, you know, he's tweaking some stuff. Like he's gone to Trent Forrest. That's actually worked. Trent Forrest has been pretty good so far. I um, like what Trent Forrest has brought to the team. And they the thing about Trent Forrest is that he, he knows he can't shoot. And there's a beauty in that because he, he just works quickly. Like I'm guilty of saying like, you need more shooting and they do. And Trent Forrest does not fix that, <laughs> but he, he plays off it. He, he knows what to do because his entire life, he's not been a shooter. So he knows what to do with it. He, he, he makes quick decisions. It's two dribbles and a pass or two dribbles and a layup or whatever. Um, but like you can tweak all you want to, but I've yet to see a theory of an offensive lineup without Trey on the floor that is going to work. Like maybe you could just load it up with and stagger Collins a little bit more if he, when he's back and healthy. But Murray plus what are they having on this bench right now? is a mess and like maybe we have to talk about bogey because bogey's gonna come back hopefully friday the thing but, the thing about the collins was nate stopped staggering uh trey and john after a while because like literally john was not touching the basketball when he was with the floor with murray like it, it was just like okay no. well i'm just i'm just burning minutes like i'm burning minutes here yeah and they, not- they, they had basically chosen to do the intentional stagger is keeping trey with clint and onyeka with with ajante and I, I do get that, but Nate's not going to do another level beyond that. Like, because I, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I think I'd like to see Collins play with that bench unit more often when he's healthy, but they got to use him. 
Like, and if it's Collins and Yanyeka, actually quietly, those bets have not worked at all. That Collins and Yanyeka pairing this year, it's small sample size. That two-man lineup has not worked. The, the, the stats do not like that lineup whatsoever. And, and like you said, it's probably because they're not really using either one of them correctly in those in those units. Yeah. I mean, so not, I mean, but it's like when you're 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 asking. I mean, it's just the the issue with this team. Like, Anyeka uh, comes in the game, they're asking him to be Clint Capella, and he's a different player. And like, you have to use them differently, and they're not. And it's like, well, you're going to get a worse version of Capella. Like, that's just for the role that they put a the box they put a Congo in. And by box, I mean uh, Trey Young, Dejounte Murray have put him in a box, like they, because he's not allowed. Like, like I, I think the thing that's most disappointing is the like, I just feel the lack of confidence from some of these guys sometimes. Like, and I, and I, it just, it just feel like, well, Collins is just pressing on on the three pointer. That that's a Obviously. that might be a different issue, but like, I mean. Because, but considering how confident he is on the defensive end of the floor, like I've never seen Collins this indecisive on on stuff, and it's because he doesn't have a, like he doesn't really have a role on this team. Like he's kind of just. I, I and mean, they know they and they, they all know and every, they all everybody know. on the team knows it. The the, the general manager know everybody knows it. Like they Collins all know is it. on the team, and and it's like it's tough. Like it's he's in a he's in a bad situation. But I feel like I feel that way for Jalen Johnson and yeah, Congo too. Like. Jalen's not Jalen is a point forward. I was gonna say I, I wanna I wanna go back to what you said about a Kongwu too, because it's the same thing. They're asking a Kongwu to largely, maybe not entirely, but largely do the same things that Clint does. And they are polar opposite players. I know that I know they're not like they're both have similar offensive strengths and like as a role but like they're very, very different players. Clint's a better screen setter, and all Clint can do on offense is roll to the rim. And offensive rebound. We all know this. Akongwu's got ball skills, like actual ball skills. Like they probably need to play through Akongwu in the high post a little bit. And early in the season and in training camp, Nate talked about that, like openly, in a way that was like he seemed excited about it. And then you get to the season and like they don't do any of that anymore. Like that that, that doesn't exist for Akongwu. And like I'm not trying to um, give him excuses because he's not played all that well this year, just flat out. But part of the part of the reason is you're asking him to just be this guy. He's not like. He can do it. He's not going to get you killed. But if you wanted to develop a Kongwu, if part of your mission this year was to make sure that your number six overall pick from, from two years ago becomes a standout player, this is not how you would do it. Like, you'd have him do some stuff. And Jalen is exactly the same thing. Jalen and John are similar in some ways, but they're also very different. And Jalen Johnson needs to have the ball in his hands to, like, be his best. And, like, you could argue maybe this is, this is not a good team for him to be doing that. And I, I do yeah. understand that. But like, he's also the best guy you got at the four. And right now, like, that's how about my... this? Collins is going to miss two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, however however long. Like, are they going to start Jalen Johnson and have him play the same way? They can't. They're, they're different players. Man, they. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's one of those where I'm like, do you, do you just play Justin Holiday at the four and try to? I, but it's oh, like they're not going, going to play the four if as long as Collins is out. You will Jaylen. see Justin Holiday play the four. Something. No, but I, but I mean, I mean, like, if Collins was healthy, do you just take Jalen out of the rotation because he's been? Well, yeah, know, I mean, I I think you can argue. I I know people get mad at me for liking Justin Holiday. It's not even about that. Jalen in the role they're asking him to play on this team when they're clearly in win now mode and not 
Yeah, it's just not like it doesn't really align because he needs to be able to, to explore the space. And like if you're let's say you were Jalen Johnson's agent or Jalen Johnson's family, this is not the team you want him on. You want him to be somewhere else because like he's not able to do what he actually is good at doing. A lot of the time, and you'll see flashes like he'll have a quarter every once in a while where he has he has two dunks and he's flying around. But like this is not they don't play through him like that enough. Um, I think he honestly Collins is probably the number one example because of obvious reasons. But Jalen's similar and like all three of these guys don't play the way that they probably should play. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way they're using them. But I, so, I feel uh, like they can't they could play like to me that all this feels like the coach isn't maximizing the talent he has on the floor because he doesn't know how like, he's not, he, he, he's not, innovative. he's not, he's not, it's not what he does. He's not a, he doesn't see the like, board. If, if Trey's not going to be my offensive, like if Trey's not going to dictate terms on how to get everybody, like Trey's not to me, I'm like, I really wish Trey young played in an off, like in Mike Budenholz's offensive system where he's still the guy, like he's still going to be the guy. But there's real offensive structure, and the other four guys know where they what they need to do on every offensive possession. It's too much of Trey Young. Like, granted, like Trey is a genius and he knows what he's doing, but it's too often pointing, telling guys where they need to go, what what like we're wasting too much clock. Like they do play too, they, they play way too slow. Too slow way in too the slow. fourth quarter, and, and you're dictating all this. It's like the defense is winning. Oh, Every- oh, my my other stat was the uh, they're they're playing at like a ninety six pace in the fourth quarter, which is like just comically slow. The other night was the Houston. I think it was they had they had twenty one possessions in the whole quarter, and it's like because they're playing the whole shot. And Nate does say it. The funny thing is, like Nate will say it in post game. He'll say we, we need to play quicker, but then they don't do anything different. They they just kind of and I don't want to go back to last year all the time or the year before even, but they were able to get away with having less structure because the guys they had on the roster had clear limitations almost, and also mm-hmm. clear strengths. Like Gallo was going to do what Gallo did. He was going to space out or, or Gallo was a good fit with Nate because Gallo was an ISO guy. He will run ISOs until the cows come home. And he's good at it. Kevin Herter will just, if you, if you ask him to, we'll just space to the corner and he'll stay there. Like bogey, has a little bit more aggressive and attacking than Herter is, well, at least pre-Kings Herter was. But, like, Bogey also will space to the corner and stand there. Whereas the Hawks don't really have those guys. Like, AJ will do it. But now the, the pieces don't fit as cleanly, which requires you to be a little bit more adaptive as a coach and more, um, le- I guess, lay out what you want more clearly. And Nate, for he does have strengths. He does. I promise you he does. He's a good culture guy. But what he's not strong at is like design. Like Nate, Nate is a big fan of like mismatch hunting and like he just I don't want to use the word old school, but it, it is kind of old school on offense. It just is. Like he every, even the way he talks about it. And it's not like it can't work. We saw last year again, this he was the coach of the team last year, and they were number two in the league in offense. But they also had great personnel, like great personnel around Trey. And now yeah, it's not as clean. Gallinari and Bogdanovich on the floor at pretty much all times. 
Yeah, they, they, they basically almost never played lineups last year that had more than one non-shooter on the floor. Yep, exactly. And now they're playing two or three sometimes. And now, now DeJounte's not a non-shooter, but DeJounte is just a below, he's a below average catch-and-shoot guy. He's a good he's a good mid-range shooter, good, good guy, like, on the ball creator. But as a floor spacer, he's below average. Hunter is fine at it, but he doesn't get guarded like Bogey and Hunter do. Is he fine at it? Like, well, I know what you're if you look. Well, if you look but, at the numbers, like when he actually takes catch and shoots, he he does make them. He doesn't like to, he just doesn't like to shoot them. <laughs> He's not a big catch and shoot guy. His um, frequency is not where it needs to be for a no. small forward, and like they really need him to. Well, speaking of which, like he's he's now hurt too, and yeah, well, we can. I don't know if you want to go down go down this road, but while I have you, like they're now going to have to navigate at least a week without both Hunter and Collins. That is troublesome. And for me, it's uh, as we, we talked about offense most of this podcast. Those two guys not being there on defense is bad news. Because yeah. for all of Hunter's – Hunter has some weaknesses that drive you crazy, like his passing. He's been good defensively for most of the season. Like He's been, I think, better defensively this year. Collins has been great defensively this year. And you take those guys off the court, and now you're playing some combination of a hobbled first-time returning bogey, A.J., um, Maybe you go more with Trent Forrest, but Trent Forrest is like 6'3". Like, he's not going to be able to play a ton of wing for you. Um, Justin will come back pretty soon. It's a mismatch of parts in a lot of ways. So, like, it's only a week, hopefully, for both of them, but it'll be at least two for Collins. Like, what do you even do? I think the only obvious thing is play AJ a lot. I'm assuming you're gonna, that you're about to say that because I, I actually agree with you. And it's crazy that I'm like advocating for a rookie to play a lot of minutes, but he's he, they got to play him a lot. But beyond that, like, what else? How do you even handle this? Play AJ if Bowie's back, maybe you start both of them and play small, uh, and try to beat teams offensively. Like, I don't, I could see them starting, I could see them starting small, but if they start small, I think it's gonna be Justin Holiday at the four. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. I think Nate's not gonna like have it in him to be like I can't have anybody that plays defense on this unit right now. I feel like Nate's just gonna be like I have to have somebody out there that I trust defensively, and it's probably gonna be Justin if I do that. Yeah, they might they might try Jalen just to see if, um, because I I do the 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 minutes I do feel like Jalen and AJ do have a nice little chemistry. Uh, they do, they do. So maybe maybe he he just plays the young guys and figures it out from there, but Jared Culver. Yeah, that's the thing. These aren't great options. Like Vic Krejci, second second half starter Vic Krejci from Wednesday night. Vic played played more minutes than AJ Griffin in the second half last night. I'm sure you I'm sure you I'm sure you enjoyed that. That was a moment. I uh (laughs) I mean but he 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 brought AJ in for one uh offensive possession with the starters. With two, it was two two minutes to go. It got to like fifteen again, and they were like, "All right, we got to put AJ back in." But no, there have been for as much as we have joked about the experimental thing, there have been some things that I have I don't think I've ever seen before rotationally this season. There was that I, game when it, there was a game when AJ played the entire fourth quarter and he hadn't played the whole game. That was one. Last night, the Hawks started in the second half two guys who had not played a single rotation minute of the season before last night. And I know Culver came in in the first half, but Vitt had not played in the rotation all all season, not once. And he started the third quarter of the competitive game last night. So that was that was um, incredible because I was like, "What?" I, I I mean, I'm 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 watching Culver, and I'm like, Culver's. 
I guess Kofor's fine, but Vic's just out here. And like Vic was, they were okay, but like they're playing the magic. And but my my whole thing, which I was mad about, I was like, um, you're probably gonna need AJ to start and like play real minutes. Like, shouldn't yeah, he get I just his don't, I'm sure there was an and I, I joke with you even on Twitter, like I was expecting Nate to say something like, you know, I, he just wanted to keep everybody in their roles, not knowing that Donner was gonna be out, but like, okay, let's just talk about this. So Friday they play they play Denver, right? Record this podcast Thursday night. They play Denver tomorrow. Hunter's out. Collins is out. Justin Holiday's out. For sure. Now, Bogey and Jalen are questionable as we speak. But, like, AJ has to start on Friday. And yeah. I, I assume AJ's going to play 30-plus minutes, especially without Justin. Like, they don't really have another guy at the three. Even. I mean, Jarrett Culver is an emergency option at – any position at this point because of his offense and he played well last night he did in orlando but it, uh, i think you even said it too during the game even orlando figured out like he's not going to shoot man like we don't have to guard well, if he's going to shoot let him because like he right like, he can't shoot it's just what it is i mean that's I don't, I don't mean to be mean about it like he, he can't shoot and neither can Trent for and again i i like both those guys have some have some strengths like Trent force has played well he can't shoot so you have those guys those two guys who are perimeter guys who can't shoot that's already a challenge in itself and you have two of them. Jalen, you're hoping plays. If Jalen doesn't play, I don't even know how they fill the, fill the minutes. I mean, it's, it's, it might be it might be Culver for 30 minutes. It's going to be Vit time. Yeah. Uh, Aaron and, Holiday is just officially Nate might be done with him. Well, I was sitting. Uh, I was sitting. Uh, shouts to the Magic, by the way, for for court. We were we were courtside last night. It was nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, but we were right right by the Hawks bench. And like I kept kind of glancing at Aaron just to like see if he was, you know, he was locked in. He's a pro. I mean, he's he's he has I don't mean this mean he has experience not playing in certain spots. Like he was in Phoenix, he wasn't playing. Like he's a pro. But I, I was surprised Nate put him in in the final minute because like, he's a vet. Like usually that's a young guy thing when you put in the guy for the last like literally minute of the game up 20. And but as soon as he asked, you know, he warm up off, runs in. Um, but yeah, I think that that might have just been the shift there but he might have to play now because of everything else that maybe they just get yeah. smaller everywhere and goes up down a position because especially tomorrow if Jalen's not there like they are incredibly small and they even tried to call and Kaminsky together last night all right that's a wrap on part one of this two-part episode with myself and Tower Jones if you missed anything from this week it's been very busy on the podcast we definitely encourage you to subscribe to the show but part two should be available in your feeds right now go ahead and flip on over to that one and we'll see you all next time